The Cine Snob Podcast is brought to you by Alamo Drafthouse. Cody. Hi. Beginning August 1st, Alamo Drafthouse, Westlakes, and Stone Oak. It is Kids Camp featuring one of our favorite movies from the last couple of years, The Lego Movie. Yes. That is, of course, uh, directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, stars uh, Chris Pratt, um, Elizabeth Banks, Channing Tatum, Will Arnett's Lego Batman, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, it uh, was my favorite animated movie of 2014, and it was robbed, downright robbed, of an Oscar nomination. What, what did win that year? Do you remember? Um, Frozen? No, Frozen was 2013. Yeah. Oh, then I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember either. Probably some, uh, oh, wasn't it uh, like Big Hero 6 or something? I believe it was. Was it? Yeah, maybe. I believe it was Big Hero 6. Yeah. I want to say it was Big Hero 6. Remember Kiko was all in their pocket because they flew him out to L.A. and That's right. And he was like, it's the best movie ever, guys. And we were like, hey, fuck you. Lego movie rules. Anyway, uh, that is uh, the Lego um, the Lego movie at Kids Camp at the Alamo Draft House, Westlakes and Stone Oak, 11 a.m. That is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, August 1st through the 3rd, 4th. That's four days, right? First, second, third, fourth. I can count. I promise. Um, all screen, all kids camp screenings are pick your own price. That's one to three dollars. With one hundred percent of the ticket sales donated to local nonprofits and schools. Go see the Lego Movie if you haven't seen the Lego Movie. I don't know why you wouldn't have seen the Lego Movie and you listen to this show, but but there's got to be some... lived, someone lives under a rock. <laughs> yeah, or maybe maybe they live under one of those like four by two pieces of Lego. Mm, yeah, you know the plural of Lego is Lego. You're not supposed to. Say I did not know that. You're not supposed to say Legos. You're supposed to say Lego pieces or Lego blocks. I think, but you're not supposed to say Legos. Anyway, uh, that, again, that is August first through the fourth. Alamo Drafthouse, West Lakes, and Stone Oak, 11 a.m. Get your tickets at drafthouse.com. Let's start the show. In a world filled with movie podcasts, three critics from the juggernaut media market of San Antonio decided to change the entire course of the internet. A feat attempted by many and conquered by many to produce a relatively listenable podcast. Devastating truth bombs. Brace yourselves, guys. The Muppets are puppets. You know that, right? <laughs> no! Wait! Okay, no! They're puppets. No, and... <laughs> Muppets are puppets. <laughs> Hard facts. Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Feig, whatever, I but... I think it's Feige. Is it really? I have no idea. <laughs> Asking the important questions. What is that? What, what was that that I just saw right now? It was like a fat Iron Man. That's it's a Hulkbuster. Hulkbuster armor. That's, that's, that's how he fights the Iron Man. <laughs> this is the Cinesnob Podcast. Welcome to episode 84 of the Cinesnob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. And I'm Cody Viafania. 1984. That's the year I started school. I'm gonna, all these episodes coming up, I'm going to have some sort of comment about the year that it corresponds with. So, 1980. Yeah, good luck with that. I don't have anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, the reference point. Yeah. What is it, 1991? 89. 89 is when I was, is the year of my birth. Hmm. Well, 1984 was, uh, was when Gremlins came out. 
the first Gremlins movie and uh, the first Ghostbusters movie as well. And the first Karate Kid movie. It was a very big summer um, in my childhood of movie going. Um, speaking of uh, childhood movie going, Kiko Martinez won't be joining us because he's been cast as Ursula in The Little Mermaid on stage <laughs> in San Antonio. Yeah, congratulations to Kiko, by the way. I mean, you know, he it was him and, uh, you know, about eight to nine burly uh, beautiful women. It was a lot yeah. of uh, it was it was a, a lot of uh, roller derby, um, <laughs> roller derby. Uh, what do you call those skaters? I don't know. And then yeah. uh, a few burlesque dancers. And uh, he just he just kind of like he went for it. We saw his audition piece and we gave him some tips and um, you know his his backup was um, you know he was going to be. He, I mean he was he would have been okay with being like a stagehand, but. He got the part. He nailed it. He, he has a great falsetto. He wanted to. He he was backup role. He told me was uh, was that priest at the end that has the big boner. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that's marrying uh, a sixteen year old girl off to presumably a twenty something year old man. Um, you know who has no birth certificate and came from the sea. Um, but yeah, that he got the Ursula part. Uh, I think it's a, it's a great deal for him. I mean he. He he's been slowly dyeing his skin purple, um, and and practicing you know day to day life with that that strapless gown on. I know it's a big difference, you know, when you're used to straps, you know, you you move a little a little more freely because you know it's not gonna not gonna fall down on you and leave you leave you immodest. But uh, but getting used to that strapless gown that that she wears through the whole show, the character wears through that whole show, I know is a, a lot of discipline on his part. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, and I I heard to 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 sort of prep for it. He has been like um he's been sort of walking around with some like fake legs around him just so he can have like he can really like get into character as far as having you know more than the more than the two legs. Well, I know I know that he went and uh and got a hoverboard. Yeah. Um and stuck it under underneath uh like he had a big tablecloth like kind of a banquet tablecloth sort of thing you know like you would have yeah. it like a yeah now i now they gave them some some leeway and i i thought that his choice to make ursula like super racist was kind of edgy but you know i think i mean it definitely works for the character and it definitely you know plays into kiko's strong suit i mean um, it, the it's the climate now you know i mean you look at the rise of of someone like donald trump who's kind of unabashedly yeah. racist and you know, mm-hmm. on the heels of the Republican National Convention, to have a, a an Ursula that that spews like, and not just you know, not not just your your standard kind of internet chat room um, racism, you know, your Xbox Live. Um, oh, there's uh, some, taunting. yeah. I mean, this yeah. is like 1920s slang, yeah, racism. I yeah, mean, the kind of racism where you're like, I I don't know if he's kidding or not. Yeah, I'm like. It's, yeah, it's like you, like you might have you probably saw it in a Bugs Bunny cartoon growing up, and you didn't think anything of it. But as yeah. you as you grew aware of of your surroundings and, and society, uh, you just realize how how heinous it all is. Yeah, it was weird that he was like, I'm I'm looking at this role as if it's Song of the South, but underwater. And I was like, well, that's weird, but okay. I, I think he I think he called it. I heard him call it Song of the South Pacific. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? That's that. That is what he said. But I mean, look, congratulations. I, yeah, I, mean, I mean, you can go see that that play at. Um, I'm not sure where it's at, but I mean, it's the talk of the town. So oh, it really is, and I think he's up for for uh, a Saint Tony, you know, for this role. <laughs> 
San Antonio. Yeah, it's yeah. Who hosts those? Uh, (laughs) Chris Duell. I like Chris. He's very sincere, but yeah, that's yeah. It's him and April Lancera just co-hosting it, (laughs) and they're they're doing their old Lancera commercial stick where like. Like, what's happened with all these ping pong balls? You know, anyone who's listening who's not in San Antonio right now has no idea what we're talking about. (laughs) And probably half the people who are in San Antonio have no idea what we're talking about. (laughs) They're both good people. I don't. That's a deep cut for those locals. I don't. I don't want to slag on them, but they they did make some goofball commercials back in the day. I don't. They still do the answer commercials like that. I'm out. Been out of town for. Yeah, so. they do. I was trying to think of a, a like a local celebrity who's obnoxious, but like I could like nothing was coming to mind. Maybe the late the, so. the, the late Mike Yucknitz of my thirty nine ninety five optical. Oh Jesus! <laughs> the, it's a Mike Yucknitz hologram that's hosting, <laughs> <laughs> and he's dressed like a like a bad guy in a Rush Hour movie, or like oh. a or like a biker, like extra. Yeah, like but he's but like in a kimono or something weird. <laughs> Tico won't be joining us uh, again, like we said. I don't know what he's doing. He's probably not really doing all the stuff we said, so we should preface that or uh, back that up with we were just joking. He's not really a racist Ursula. Um. (laughs) (laughs) That we know of. That we know of. I mean, you can't prove a negative, so you know we can't say that he's not. I had an Amazon Prime Now order delivered today, and like, <laughs> I'm 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 I really want ice cream right now, and I'm looking at their ice cream selection. I'm like, can I make twenty? Like, do I need twenty more dollars worth of stuff? Like, I'm just trying to do the math in my head. I uh, I've ordered Amazon. I've ordered ice cream through Amazon Prime now. I really want to do that right now. <laughs> I always find like I th- throw in like bottles of soda and stuff to get to twenty. Yeah, I do that too. And then today, like I told, I was telling you earlier today, I. I want. I needed something from Amazon Prime, and I opened the app and just started adding stuff, and I ended up not getting the thing that I needed. You fucked up your order, and then you wanted to take it back. Yep. Uh, I want. I mean, like they need to. You need to be able to add to the order if it's just like right afterwards. Yeah, I I would agree. I, they've they've have updated the app, and since they launched it, it used to be really kind of clunky. But uh, it's well now better. you can do it in the browser too. Oh really? I haven't tried yeah, that. You, yeah, you can access Prime now in a browser now. Oh, well then. That's a whole new world for me. See, it all goes back That's to Aladdin. Me. That's not the Little Mermaid. I know. Damn it. One last reminder. If you do hear this before Monday night, uh, July 25th, you can head out to our Bridesmaid screening, right? Is there still a couple tickets left or is it sold out? There are six single seats available. Six single seats. Uh, if you're listening to this before 7 p.m. on Monday, July 25th, you can come out to see our Bridesmaids. It's a champagne party, correct? It is a champagne party. It's $12. If you get in, uh, you get a glass of champagne and then you get to keep the flute that it comes in. Um, and then we're actually going to do something um, kind of crazy that we're going to broadcast on Facebook Live. So, yes. you know, if you're going to be around your computer or your phone at around a little after 7.30, um, maybe a minute or two after 7.30, definitely watch our Facebook Live because we're going to get into some shenanigans. I wish I could be there. I'll be watching uh, Batman the Killing Joke instead from our pals at uh, Fathom Events. Yeah, I'm doing that on Tuesday night. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm eager to talk about that uh, when we do see it because there's a, a a lot of controversy around it already coming out of Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con that's wrapping up 
as we speak. It's time for the Real Rundown, recapping this week in movie news. As we mentioned, San Diego Comic-Con is wrapping up today, and there was a assload of new trailers <laughs> dropped. That should have been an assload, but a, an assload of new trailers dropped um, in the last couple days. Most notably... Um, pretty much the, uh, the next three big DC, uh, superhero movies after Batman V Superman, uh, didn't go over super well with most people. Um, I think DC needed to show DC and Warner brothers needed to show they had a lot of confidence in the upcoming slate. And I, I think they pulled it off. What do you think? Um, I, I mean, I think it's a mixed more than anything. I actually haven't seen the Wonder Woman trailer yet. Um, Why haven't you watched the Wonder Woman trailer yet? That's like the first I, one. Because I, wa- I was too busy watching 17 others that came out. <laughs> that was the first um, one, though. Uh, yeah, and I miss, I miss that because you had sent me Wonder Woman and Justice League at the same time, and I went straight to Justice League, which I have to say, that's that's maybe the microcosm of uh, of DC stuff, which is there's some stuff in there that looks awesome. Everything between Ezra Miller and Ben Affleck, um, I think, really, really works. Especially that kind of scene where well, he throws the bat at. Well, I've got a, cl- I've got a clip. Let's go ahead and play that right now. Okay. So you're fast. That feels like an oversimplification. I'm putting together a team, people with special abilities. You see, I believe enemies are coming. Stop right there. I'm in. You are. Just like that. Yeah, I, I need friends. Yeah, so that was uh, that was the clip between you were just talking about between uh, between Ben Affleck and Ezra Miller, where he, he ends it with "I need friends," which is kind of sad, right? You know, he's a superhero that has no friends. Uh, I wouldn't know what that's like. I have so many friends. So, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I thought that that was uh, that part was really well done. I don't know that this was really considered a trailer. Um, I think it was a sizzle reel is what they they were calling it. Yeah, yeah. Because um, there's a lot of, like, one scene of Jason Momoa as Aquaman that kind of stretches out over the whole thing, and he doesn't really get to do anything in it. Uh, and that's, I think, the biggest problem I had with the trailer is just that, that Jason Momoa looks like a dud. Like, I, I there, there's, um, which is not good considering Henry Cavill is a, f- a fucking dud the entire series and just so boring. Well, most- and, like... Most notably, Henry Henry Cavill's not in the trailer at all. Right. It's like, oh, we like it. They're they're totally operating at this point without Superman. So I wonder how big his part is in the film. Even though they the, after the trailer was released, they released a, an image with all the people together, all the characters together. So obviously he's in the movie, but as for how much, I don't know. Um, anyway, there's more uh, Wonder Woman in it, and like you said, you haven't seen the Wonder Woman trailer. Um, I thought it was I thought it was really well done. Um, I'm gonna play a clip of it right now too. I can't let you do this. What I do is not up to you. Uh, director Patty Jenkins um, was uh, of course supposed to direct the first Thor movie, and now was brought back into. Uh, to do Wonder Woman, who was who who had the part bef- who had the job before her? There was someone else. Do you remember? Uh, someone who left. It was the one who the, um, the who did Gra- uh, Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad. Melissa, no, no, no. God, what's her name? She directed a bunch of Michelle. Mc- oh, Michelle uh, McLaren. 
right? Michelle McLaren. Yeah. You need to watch that one because that's the one I wanted to talk about most. So thanks for not fucking watching it. Uh, did you see the, the final Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad trailer? Um, I think they released it, it right before that kind of mess of, a sh- of an appearance on Conan where there was way too many people yeah. on stage at once. I, I did not see that, but I did see uh, them on Conan, which was a disaster. <laughs> there's just like there, – well, there's like 20 people There's like people 14 on stage. people on stage. Yeah. And you were right. It's Jai Courtney. I thought it was yes, Jai. Thank- can I get a mea culpa on that, please? I'm sorry that I thought it was J, because I, I used to work with someone who spelled their name the same way or similar, and it was J. But now that it's Jai, you got, you're right. God damn it. It's Jai Courtney. He's still bland as shit. But uh, I'm going to play a little clip of the Suicide Squad uh, official Comic-Con soundtrack remix. This is the deal. You're going somewhere very bad. Look at the pretty lights. To do something that'll get you killed. You might want to work on your team motivation thing. You heard of Phil Jackson? Yeah. He's like the gold standard. Okay? Triangle, bitch. So so this uh, this last bit was, was pretty uh, Will Smith heavy. And I think that's something we haven't really seen so far from the Suicide Squad thing is, is really emphasizing Will Smith's part. I think it's been a lot of, uh, of uh, Margot Robbie. Uh, with Harley Quinn, who I think is is most likely going to be the breakout star of this whole thing. I don't know if you feel Absolutely. the same way. Um, there's a lot of shots of her ass in this trailer, too. Oh, I should uh, go watch them. Yeah, I don't know what you're waiting for, God damn it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think this this really adds anything new. I mean, we're we're less than two weeks out from the film being released, so... You know, because... Well, they showed a bunch of clips on, uh, on Conan last night as well, so... Yeah. Um, you know, I think that the the main issue is going to be overload, as we saw of 14 people on stage or whatever. Um, you know, I'm hoping that it's not too on the nose because I I hate that that clip where Will Smith is like, so we're like a suicide squad. I'm like, yeah, like I just, <laughs> you don't like that, huh? You don't like when they no. name the show or when they name the title in the movie? No, I don't. You're like, oh, this is a real Batman v Superman. <laughs> this is the dawn of justice. <laughs> okay, whatever. What is that from that movie you you love that you you were like? I saw four guys from that movie in this trailer. Oh, oh, that was a great trailer, by the way. For which one? Um, King- Kong Skull Island. Oh, we're gonna get to that one in a minute. That one's, yeah. that one's on the the docket next. But yeah, that'd be like it's a real Kings of Summer out here. <laughs> Uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, when we talked about the Lego movie screening at Alamo Drafthouse, uh, Warner Brothers and DC released uh, another trailer for the Lego Batman movie. We'll play a clip of that right now. Computer, how do I put the Joker in Arkham Asylum? Quickest route, no freeways. Computer, do you hear me? Hello, Master Bruce. I've just taken away your computer privileges. Gasp! Sir, it's time for you to stop this unhealthy behavior. You can't spend the rest of your life alone, dressed in black, and staying up all night. Good night, Alfred. Sir, it's morning. So uh, this is, of course, Will Arnett as Lego Batman. The trailer also features features Michael Sarah as Lego Robin. Uh, this is a great trailer. I gotta admit, it's a really great trailer. I'm still really leery of this movie because I really... I'm am scared that this is a one note character. I don't know if you feel the same way. I I don't, but you know, in the same you know, in the same way, I think that all the clips and trailers have been really, really funny. Yeah. And I think that they're really capturing the spirit of um 
of uh, you know how it, like what I was we were talking about this yesterday, and I I called the Lego Movie like a miracle of a movie because it is so front to back hilarious that um that that and, but it's such a specific sense of humor you know it's like a super energetic really kind of random at times really kinetic um type of humor i mean i mean like that's just what lord and miller do and i was a little afraid when they switched hands and lord and miller aren't writing or directing this if they would be able to keep that same style of humor and everything we've seen so far shows that yeah it's exactly the same style of humor yeah i mean i i, I have no problem with that style of humor just that uh like a character such as uh, Jack Sparrow in the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movies, I, I, I have the thought, and I, I don't – none of the trailers have backed it up so far, but it's that thought in the back of my mind that maybe Batman – Lego this, this version of the Lego Batman is, is best left as a supporting character. Like that's just a fear. Like I'm saying, like I, no, none of the stuff that's, that's, that's been shown has borne that out, but – I, I think just... I think the, the I think that he is a little one note in the Lego movie, but I think from what we've seen, like that pairing with him and Alfred, with with Ray Fiennes playing uh, playing Alfred, looks to be like really funny, like yeah. a great pairing. Um, and even just watching him interact with Michael Sarah in the uh, in the trailer was really great too. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think maybe if you pair that character off with a with some other stuff, um, with some other characters, you might take away from the one note idea but um you know what i'm like i like i said um to you earlier i'm lowering my expectations a little bit just because i know how great the lego movie is and how hard that must have been to nail it on that level having said that everything i've seen from this looks great yeah no i totally agree and it's it's like i said it's just one of those kind of irrational fears that that's in the back of my mind like man this this is great but is it great on its own let's move on to another warner brothers movie uh, which is, uh, we talked about just a minute ago, the trailer for Kong Skull Island. Here's a clip. You don't go into someone's house unless you're picking a fight. What you're looking at is a monster from some bygone era. It's time to show that man is king. I think the interesting thing about this trailer is uh, the movie stars, um, you know, big Marvel star Tom Hiddleston and recent Oscar winner Lisa Vikander, and it's pretty much just a Samuel L. Jackson trailer. Uh, it's it's Brie Larson, not Vikander. It's not Vikander. Nope, Brie Larson. How did I fuck that up? They both just won Oscars, so. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're. It's. I mean, Brie Larson's basically just holding a camera in the trailer. That's yeah, about it. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, it is a Samuel L. Jackson and partial John Goodman trailer. Um, the cast of this movie is great. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but there's even like Jason Mitchell who played Easy E in Straight Outta Compton. He's in it, and um, and and like I was telling you, it's it's uh, you were mentioning this and referencing it earlier. There's like three or four people from the Kings of Summer in this trailer, um, and of course it's directed by Jordan Vote Roberts, who uh, directed the Kings of Summer, which was my favorite comedy of the last like five years. Um, and uh, and it's it's stylistically this looks really really interesting. A lot of I saw a lot of people like referencing like Apocalypse Now and um, and like Platoon and stuff as kind of a visual style for it. Yeah. Um, which is actually pretty accurate when you look at the trailer. Stylistically, I think it looks really fantastic. And and apparently this this version of um, Kong is like 
a hundred feet tall in like the biggest iteration of Kong there's ever been. Yeah, you see um, him and, like kind of standing in in one shot, just standing there, uh, which is is more than you've seen. Like like he doesn't look so much like a gorilla in this film, at least in that stance, as as like if you're thinking of Peter Jackson's from a few years ago. Yeah, you know, I think the interesting thing too is 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 that you know we're we're also seeing like a, an interesting John Goodman resurgence, and I'm I'm all for that. So this the Kong Skull Island is it this this is going to be the universe that crosses over with Godzilla, right? Yes, this is the introduction of the of the uh, Kong that will cross over with Godzilla. So uh, I wonder how this takes like what point this takes place in relation to Godzilla because it seems like they're all very surprised to see a giant monster for the first time. Yeah, that's a that's actually a good question. Yeah, I know. That's why I asked. All well, right. I don't have an answer. Jared. God damn it, Cody! You love the fucking Kings of Summer. I thought you you and your buddy would have known what's his name john voigt <laughs> what is his name jordan jordan vote roberts oh jordan vote roberts okay um uh, finally uh another uh trailer that was released uh this time for doctor strange the the marvel movie coming up this year uh, what's this my mantra the wi-fi password we're not savages Great uh, joke, by the way. Great joke. Uh, Chiwetelogy for uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. This movie looks trippy as hell. Uh, it does, but man, stylistically, doesn't it just look incredible? Yeah. No, I, I think it looks great. I mean, it's uh, it's got kind of an Inception vibe to it. Very um, much so. And even uh, it kind of looks mirrors the um, the climax of uh, Star Trek Beyond, which we're going to talk about in a little bit here. I love and and I I I know I know a little bit about the origin story of Doctor Strange. And it looks like they're keeping very, very close to it, which is just the idea that this like egotistical surgeon loses the ability to use his hands. Like, I just, I really love that. Just, I, I just, I think it's a really cool origin story that that, that they look to be doing um, really interestingly. And um, and we get a bald Tilda Swinton, so that's nice, I guess. I walked by she, her. She she does weird very well. Yeah, I walked by her um, at uh, South by Southwest a couple years ago. I did too. Yeah, I was like, "That's Tilda Swinton," and that was it. I didn't say anything. Yeah, that was about the extent of it. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, I think that it looks. I mean, I think that, I think this is the most, and I maybe I'm wrong about this, but it might be the most excited I've been about a Marvel movie. Period. Just based on promotional material and trailers, I just I think it looks so interesting and different and trippy, and I can't wait for it. Yeah, um, um, it, it looks really super. Um, Different than anything we've seen before from Marvel. Um, I, I don't know how how it will end up, but uh, at least as of right now, it's it's pretty exciting, it, especially for a character that I just kind of know very very little about. He has a cape and a mustache. That's really all I know about Doctor Strange. Uh, speaking of Marvel stuff, there's also some casting announcements. Um, uh, Alicia Vikander was announced as uh, Captain no. Marvel. <laughs> God, I, I'm going to keep fucking it up. No, that was. A, <laughs> I did that on uh, after months of uh, being rumored uh, to be taking the part, uh, Brie Larson was officially announced as Captain Marvel, uh, another character I don't really know a lot about. She's supposed to be, from what I've heard, someone who's going to bridge between Guardians of the Galaxy and the Avengers, like from space to Earth type yeah. thing. Yeah. That's what I've heard. They they have her role in. But 
you know, it is uh, it is of note because it's going to be the first female standalone superhero that Marvel has done. Yeah, and they're going to be beaten by Wonder Woman, which probably something they're they're not terribly proud of. But uh, speaking of, of of new stuff, did you see uh, the new Marvel Studios logo made its debut? I did. With, uh, scored by your buddy Michael Giacchino. Um, I don't. Oh, really, I didn't realize. I didn't realize that he wrote the music. I don't really like the look of it. I think it's a little corny. I preferred the kind of flipping through comic pages. I do. Yeah, that is. I do like that a lot. But I mean, I I only saw it with the um, with the Doctor Strange thing, and I think that, that like it was like made to be like similar to the thematic stuff. But I don't know. Um, it's got clips like kind of the full version is like thirty something seconds long, and it's got clips that that um, that uh, you know run through. The, kind of the gamut of of all of the Marvel movies, you know, you see Tony Stark and you know Thor and Captain America and all those other guys. Um, also um, announced, uh, Kurt Russell we knew for a while was playing as uh, Star Lord's father, Chris Pratt's character's father in Guardians of the Galaxy Two. We finally learned what uh, exactly that role will be, and it's a character called Ego, which is a giant mm-hmm. planet thing that uh, apparently has a penis. And can have sex with human women. Yeah, I mean, like, why not? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know why not. But that, I guess that's um, a little less of a of a big announcement, just kind of a dotting of the I, as opposed to to anything else. Was there some other Marvel casting announcement? Uh, I think they just confirmed a bunch of people for Black Panther, like Lupita Nyong'o was, and Michael B. Jordan were officially confirmed. Oh yeah, I think they're playing villains, is what I've heard. Um, That'd be. And there's also um, it hasn't made it online yet, but there were uh, clips from uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming shown. Um, yeah, yeah. They, well, they've only been shooting for like ten days. Yeah, and uh, I, I, did you see uh, did you see Conan uh, the other night with the Silicon Valley cast? Uh, I saw part of it. Martin Starr is is shooting, and he sh- like sent a video from there. He apparently plays a teacher in the film, which I That's guess cool. is kind of boring. But um. Anything else? Cast anything else from Comic Con? Was there anything uh, else? Sylvester Stallone also in Guardians That's of the Galaxy right. playing I a Nova f- person. Forgot about that. That's going to be strange and cool. It's a Tango and Cash reunion. I saw. Yeah. Floating around Twitter. Uh, oh yeah, another thing to come out of Comic Con. Um, another surprise. Surprise sequel. Sixteen years later, another Blair Witch movie. Yeah, this is actually a really interesting story um, that I I find fascinating that this actually happened. Um, So basically what happened was – so there's there's a director, writer-director called um, Adam Wingard who uh, really, really took off with uh, The Guest – um, that kind of put him into another echelon. But he was – he got a lot of notoriety for doing You're Next and and I think he did – I can't remember the name of the the one he did prior to that, but um, he's he's known for these kind of um, horror movies that are kind of winking at everything. You know, Your Next is sort of a is sort of a, a, a comedic horror movie. Not, I mean, it's a horror movie, but it's got some comedic tones to it. Self aware type stuff. Like the guest, right. the get the guest is straight up like the most self aware thing you've ever seen. But yeah, but um. So he's really highly regarded. People love him. And they've been advertising for a while a movie he was he was making called The Woods. 
and nobody really knew anything about it, but there was a promotional poster for it, and it was supposed to come out in September. And then, uh, turns out, for Comic-Con, they were going to screen the movie, and the movie is actually not The Woods. It's actually called Blair Witch, and it is a direct sequel to The Blair Witch Project. Um, And this was made in secrecy. Nobody knew about it, and it was made, and this is the important part, intentionally as a Blair Witch sequel. Because you and I were talking about it and talking about how in the day and age of, um, you know, news reporting and, like, going to, like, deadline and, and everything breaks. There's no secrets anymore. And even, like, when 10 Cloverfield Lane dropped out of nowhere, when we saw the final product, we're like, oh, this is a totally new movie with, like, some references slapped on in editing or whatever or reshoots. Um, to me, it's amazing that in 2016 – a movie was made by a highly regarded director with a property that's established. It may not be the biggest property, but it's an established property. And they kept it secret. And it was an intentional sequel that nobody knew about. And I think that's super awesome. And I, I wish we would have more of this. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't um, I can't say that, that that this is something that was difficult to pull off, probably because uh, – just because the Blair Witch Project is so far off of the pop culture radar, um, you know, like well, you s- I, 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 that's true. But with one caveat, which is that it's the thing that made found footage horror a thing. No, I, I, I agree, and it, I mean, I, I enjoyed the first Blair Witch Project movie when I saw it. I never did see the sequel because I heard it was a, a giant departure and not very good. What I mean is off by off the radar, I mean like it happened a long time ago and it hasn't yeah. really been um uh you know, it it kind of lived and died and that was it, you know. Um to say that 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 no one would have thought that they would make a Blair Witch sequel in two thousand sixteen, I think is a really fair assessment. You know, if somebody was gonna tell you, you know, that's not a secret that I I don't feel like it was a secret that was hard to keep. Um and the only the only reason I disagree with that a little bit is because um, is just because you know it, there are for genre movies like that you know there's entire blogs that are dedicated to breaking that news you know like bloody disgusting and um, and uh, and some other places and uh, and I think that it might be harder to do with genre stuff because. The, the the fan base is so feverish and you know I, I i think it might be a little harder to do versus if someone was like hey we made a sequel to you know philadelphia <laughs> well yeah i mean but i i guess probably the ease of which i think uh, what adds to the ease of it i think is the fact that uh that there isn't really um you know an established cast um, or like established things that are happening. Like it's just kind of a horror movie that can be filled with anybody generically. I'm sure. I don't know. I've not, I haven't been following what, who is in the woods. Um, it's, it's but, a, it's a relative of someone from the first movie, but I mean, uh, actor wise. Oh, it's unknowns. Yeah. So it's, it's easier to pull something like that off. I think than than with, you know, if you were trying to make a secret sequel to, uh, you know, Forrest Gump or something. You'd be like, well, what's Tom Hanks doing there with, uh, you know, Haley Joel Osment, fat Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> uh, but uh, man, so, I still laugh so hard every time I see that fat hand <laughs> in, in Tusk. Um, like the most obvious 
plot twist ever because it's got it's this super fat hand touching Genesis Rodriguez's face. Yeah, you're like, there's no secret here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but I, I think that's what I mean. Like, it's easier because there's not really any backstory. There's not really any. I mean, there's backstory, of course, but there's not really like an established thing. It's not like, uh, you know, there's there's no markers that you could see from what they're talking about with with the woods that you'd be like, Oh, that's a Blair Witch thing. Cause it's generic enough to, to get away with it. I think it's a cool idea. I don't know that the Blair Witch project is, um, you know, I don't know that, I mean, capturing lightning in a bottle again like that, because it was a found footage thing, you know, you know, before that was really a thing. I don't know if you can redo that, that magic at all. I know the sequel really detoured from that and made like a real film out of it. Well, for whatever it's worth, I heard really good things about Blair because they they showed the whole movie at Comic Con, mm-hmm. and uh, and the reports are are pretty solid um, from it. So you know, we'll see. I guess. Yeah. No. I mean, I don't. I don't have any anything built in against it. I'm just cu- just curious why now. You know why? Yeah, but and and really honestly, to me, this is less about a Blair Witch sequel and more about the fact that a movie got this far down the line under the radar and it, and it genuinely, genuinely surprised people. And I think that's a really cool thing that you don't see anymore because of the proliferation of, of news and breaking news and casting and, yeah. and rumors and all of that stuff. Um, you know, that that's become news that people eat up now, everything in pre-production. Right. So the fact that this thing exists and got this far under the radar is, is awesome. And I, and I hope we see more of it. Yeah, I, I I like being surprised. I mean, I, I I'm just as guilty of reading all that shit as anybody else. But well, I mean, just just think about how many cameos, like legit cameos, in movies these days, you don't know about before going into the theater. Are you are you saying that I that you don't know a lot, or you do know a lot? You do know a lot, so oh, you yeah, do know yeah. that they're coming. Right. I'm, yeah. I think I misspoke, but yeah. Yeah. No, I. I like that's one of the 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 things that I miss most about the beginning of the Marvel universe was when you didn't know what was going to come next, and there was a genuine surprise in those those post credit sequences. You know, well, it's uh, sort of like the Bill Murray Zombieland thing. Like that was right on the cusp of you could that could be a surprise to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, but but you know when you've got this stuff planned out so far in advance, like the Marvel stuff. You know, like in 2020, we've got you know, Captain Marvel too. Like, so you, there's no, it, it lessens the dramatic stakes a little bit, you know, like could, would it have killed, uh, uh, Disney and Marvel to hold the news about civil war until at least like a week after Avengers age of Ultron opened. Because when that movie, like the week that movie was opening, they started talking about civil war. So you're like, well, fuck none of this shit matters. Let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. This week we've got Star Trek Beyond. I think you should have this back. After all, it belonged to your mother. It is not in the Vulcan custom to receive again that which was given as a gift. You guys break up? What'd you do? A typically reductive inquiry, Doctor. You know, Spock, if an Earth girl says uh, it's me, not you, it's definitely you. 
The USS Enterprise crew explores the furthest reaches of uncharted space where they encounter a new ruthless enemy who puts them and everything the Federation stands for to the test. That is some generic shit in that summary right there. <laughs> um, uh, so what do you think of, uh, of Star Trek Beyond? Well, I'll preface this by saying that I love Star Trek. I love Star Trek Into Darkness. I think those are both really great movies. Um, uh, and I wasn't a Star Trek fan going into those movies. So I was kind of taken off guard and, and really surprised and, and impressed by what J.J. Abrams was able to do um, to make me care about Star Trek, you know, with no prior knowledge. Um, you know, this this movie is, to me, a tale of sections where I think that the beginning is a bit of a slog and tough to get through. I think that the end is a little tough to get through. And I think the middle is really good. Um, basically, uh, from the moment that Idris Elba shows up until the infamous scene that we'll talk about a little bit later that is very divisive right now, um, everything in that mid-chunk is really good. Um, and I think by far the best thing about this movie is Carl Urban. Um, yeah, we, I, I just, just just played the clip of him with uh, with Spock um, when when Uhura kind of dumps Spock. Um, yeah, I think that's that's kind of the best intro you've got to Carl Urban, who didn't get a lot to do in the last film. He uh, didn't, but they made up for it in this one because he runs away with the movie easily. Yeah, um, and uh, and and I think the interesting thing that they did, and so of course Simon Pegg co-wrote this the screenplay for this, and this was also. I don't know if you remember this, but originally I believe this was supposed to be Roberto Orsi's movie, right? Yeah, he was going to direct they, it. Yeah, and then they took it away from him. Yeah, because uh, he's crazy. Yeah, um, but um, Simon Pegg wrote the movie, and I think that there's you can tell that there's a little bit more comedy in this. It's a little lighter than the other two, um, but you know you could tell that Simon Pegg is a great voice for for Carl Urban and the character of Bones and i think one of the interesting things that Simon did with the screenplay was that you know in the first two movies we're we're seeing either everyone together or we're seeing the 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 people that belong together be together so you'll see a lot of Spock and Kirk you'll see a lot of Spock and Ohura and like and like you kind of see that in that sense in in this movie, you actually get some pairings that are a little uh, unusual compared to what you've seen before, and I think it works really well. So, like, everything between Spock and Bones is great. Like, that's the best part of the movie is when they're paired off together. Um, and then you get, you know, uh, Kirk with uh, with Scotty, and then Scotty with Jayla, the new character, and then you have, um, you know, you have all the others together. And it's weird because the other ones really didn't have much to do kind of in the way that Carl Urban didn't have much to do in the last one. So like Zoe Saldana is like barely in this thing. Yeah. Zoe um, Saldana and uh, John Cho, I think get the short end of the stick when it comes to these pairings, they're just sort yeah. of there to, to let the, have the villain, give the villain, give Idris Elba someone to talk to. Yeah. And, and, it, and, it, and it is nice to know that Anton Yelkin actually does get quite a bit to do in this movie. Um, which is nice, you yeah. know, considering. Uh, it's a nice little send-off for him. But um, I, I think that the, the, there, there's a few problems with the film. The first major issue is that Idris Elba is totally wasted. Um, he's covered under makeup for, for most of the movie, and um, and it's just a boring villain. Like, it's just, it's just not an interesting villain. And, um, the, again these backstories with these villains are just unnecessarily complicated. And, um, and, and I just did not think that that worked. Um, I think that, uh, that it's a little too on the nose at times. 
Um, I think that the, the, the lighter tone kind of, kind of messes with it a few times. I mean, I think that they do a lot of good stuff. I think that Jayla is actually a really interesting character, um, yeah. as part, as a new character. Um, AKA, and so on, I really hope that they, that we see in the future. AKA, uh, female white Darth Maul. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who uh, apparently, apparently that girl who plays Jayla was in the Kingsman. She played like the girl who had, um, Oh, she was the scissor leg. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, that movie irritated me to no end. Oh, yeah, me too. Um, I also thought that some of the stuff was uh, like a lot of the Leonard Nimoy stuff was weirdly yeah. placed. Yeah, there was. Look, that's my okay. I grew up w- loving the Star Trek movies for all of their boring glory. Um, I the first like VHS tapes that weren't uh, Batman or Ninja Turtles that I got that were my own were the first five theatrical Star Trek movies. And I watched the shit out of those and there are bad ones in there and there are great classic ones in there, like the wrath of Khan. Um, so I've, I've been a fan for a long time going into these movies. They're very slick and they're very well produced. They all have problems. Um, I think the first one is a little too cute for its own sake. Like, and it takes a little, it, it spends too long getting Kirk into the chair, the captain's chair and does it in a kind of shitty way. The second one, I don't have as big a problem with as I used to, but the, the con stuff is completely useless in into darkness. It literally makes no sense that he's con. Um, and this one, um, I felt I felt probably this one was the most enjoyable of the three. That's not super, super duper high praise because I still think it's got some problems. Uh, Notably, like notably uh, Zachary Quinto. I just don't, I'm just totally cold to Zachary Quinto's Spock. Um, I think that, I think they gave, uh, and I I almost had a problem with it to the point because when he's with, they give him, they give him a sense of humor and actually let him land legitimate jokes in this versus mm-hmm. just being jokes at the expense of him being, you know, calculated and cold. He actually has a couple jokes in this movie. Um and uh and I and I don't know if that was too far off of character or not, but um you know, I think I think that Quinto is elevated by Carl Urban. Like that's how good Urban is is yeah. that he actually brings up Quinto to be a really, you know, a, 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 a you know, a more interesting performance. Well, and and Quinto's saddled with the uh... The Spock is saddled with like a housekeeping storyline, uh, acknowledging Litter Nimoy's death, which we probably didn't need. I mean, frankly, if if it had touched on something deeper, you know, like what is it like to be dead, like when you're still alive, essentially? Because I mean, essentially, he's dead again. You know, if that had some deeper meaning, but it doesn't really do much. You know, and then you get that that shot near the end that's clearly a publicity still from. I, I think it's what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Remember that with Independence Day? Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that's a publicity still from Star Trek V: The Final Frontier. Uh, and it's it's it it's weird. It's definitely very very strange to be throwing that in there. Like that's I mean I love those old movies, but that look and the the vibe doesn't belong in these new movies. And I think Leonard Nimoy was acceptable because he was a nice bridge to keep the nerds happy. But I think his storyline had run its course, and we really didn't need to know that he had died, I don't think. Um, and I think that storyline was a little a little too much on top of, 
you know, Spock essentially going through a breakup at the beginning of the film. Um, yeah. So I agree. And, and, and there's another thing that, that bugs me about this movie. Um, it feels chopped up. Um, like, I think that, uh, I love the beginning. I love the Starfleet stuff at the beginning. I love when they enter that, that giant, you know, space station thing. Um, and then immediately they jump into whatever is happening. And I think the character that, that gets them involved in that process, who I don't remember ever having a name. Um, but it's, a, it's, Oh, a, I know what you're talking about. The female character, the female ca- character, female alien that, uh, they have to translate, which well, that was a cool, that was, she had a great introduction. Like she could, they couldn't understand her and she speaks through a translator the whole time. And it's a really great introduction, but then her character kind of has two different turns and then just is sort of disappears halfway through the film. Yeah. Yeah. But, but see, I, I, I sort of, I see. I did not like the Starfleet stuff. I think when they show up on that other planet is when it gets really good for me. The Starfleet stuff I could care less about. Yeah. Um. It. it I don't know. I. I like that stuff. I. I didn't. I. The, the stuff on the other planet. I feel it was really under under sketch. Uh, under sketched. What am I trying to say? Underdeveloped. Um. You know the villain stuff is. I don't really think his motivation was very clear. You know Idris Elba, like no. you said, is buried under under layers and layers of makeup and Idris Elba's fucking great. Why would you put him like in this reptilian makeup? I don't understand. I don't yeah, understand. I, don't, I, I mean, get it either. essentially it's, it's for the reveal, which I don't think the reveal is strong. Um, you know, no, uh, the reveal, I mean, look, I mean, God, do, I hate to hesitate to spoiler, but do you, it's, do you want to go into the spoiler zone? We haven't done that yeah, in let, like a let, year. Yeah, let's do that. All right, give me a second. Let me let me get this activated here. I gotta I gotta turn some levers and cranks, and uh, here we go. Now entering the spoiler zone to avoid spoilers. Fast forward to fifty nine minutes and forty two seconds. All right, so we are safely in the spoiler zone now, which we haven't been in in years. Um, <laughs> it's been a long time, hasn't it? It has been it's a really while. Dusty in here. Uh, so Idris Elba's character. Uh, while portrayed as a monstrous reptile-looking humanoid named Crawl, is actually a Starfleet captain that was lost on a mission Ugh. years ago. Like really, again? Yeah. Another disgraced Starfleet person again? Right. And uh, he's apparently been using... He's a human who looks like Idris Elba. Uh, but he's apparently been using alien technology or biology or something to to maintain his youth and stay alive. And he lured uh, the Enterprise there with uh, that alien, fem- female alien we were talking about that just sort of dies halfway through the movie. Man, having... that turn is just awful. Like, yeah. it's just it's just not executed well. It's it's uh... which turn are you talking about? The... the first turn she makes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When she's or you figure out that she. Actually, you know what? It's not. No, it's. I'm sorry. The second turn where it's like she was lying the whole time. Yeah, right. Because she lures them there, at, telling her that that she was there. That she was trying to save her crew's life. Right. And then she just sort of hangs around with with Chekhov and uh, uh, Kirk, and then oh yeah, she's evil after all. And then she gets smashed by the wreckage of the Enterprise, which. Uh, that's another giant problem I have with the with these with this series of of new films is the way the Enterprise has been treated, and and it's supposed to mean something to Kirk, 
uh, at the beginning of this film, you get him, you see him wanting to get off the Enterprise, which in the the original series and and the movies that came after it, that was his ship. You know, this was what he wanted, and I don't think that these new movies ever really respected it as a ship that as a character almost is as it was treated in all the other TV iterations of Star Trek from the original series to even the next generation. Like this was their home. You know, this may be a nitpick on my part, but you know that there's a scene where I guess he's at Starfleet or no, he's talking to bones when it's his birthday um, or about to be his birthday. And he says that thing about, you know, like like it all goes back to his father and joining Starfleet on the dare. Like I feel like that's a like a line of dialogue exactly lifted from both other movies. Like I feel like they just rehash that same line of dialogue over and over again. It's like yeah, we get it. Well, I, I and I don't think that it ever really establishes. We haven't really established Kirk as like a great captain yet because remember in in Into Darkness, like he lost his command at the beginning of the movie and then just magically got it back because everybody yeah. died. Like there, there's yeah. not there's not really an establishment of of uh, of him being the in charge of the ship, and I I get it, you know the original the original series set that up over you know the course of sixty something TV episodes, which this has been just a third movie, but it never really feels like the loss of the Enterprise doesn't feel like anything. There's there's no emotion to it. Um, you know it's some you know Kirk was ready to leave the Enterprise, and then it it gets destroyed and. You know, the, they they kind of treated the Enterprise like the Millennium Falcon, so to so to speak, in in the the first two movies of this series, like having it land underwater and being built on Earth and all this crazy shit. Um, so I just I just don't think that the Enterprise was ever treated like it should have been in a Star Trek film. And I get it; it's not the same you know style as the original series and everything. But watching it be destroyed was left nothing for me. You know, I, I didn't feel any kind of emotional attachment to the Enterprise being destroyed. I don't know if you right. felt the same way. Um, no, I didn't give a shit. Also, also, um, let's talk about the climax. Oh, do you want to do this in the spoiler or I guess the spoiler zone is a good place. Because let's talk about the use of the Beastie Boys song Sabotage. Yeah. I about came out of my fucking seat in frustration when that happened. Because it is so goofy. First of all, it's telegraphed about five minutes out. Um, when they yes. when they figure out like we can use uh, VHF, very high frequency to. Oh no! It's no! It's it's telegraphed when she's listening to "Fight the Power." She's like, yeah, public Enemy, there. fight the power, right? But I mean, like, yeah, that... which which happens like twenty minutes into the movie, and I <laughs> and I, as soon as I as soon as that happened, I'm like, oh, we're getting sabotaged at some point. Yeah, I knew I didn't know how it was going to be used, but when you when they're like, we can destroy it with this with music, I was like, are you fucking shitting me? And then I remember I was literally shaking my head in the theater, like they're going to do sabotage. It's going to you know be what? sabotage. It's gonna be sabotage. It's gonna and then it started I, playing. I didn't mind it. <laughs> I didn't mind it. Partially because and we talked about this and yes, I know you love it too, but I love that song and I think it's a it's I just think that it hits it it's really kind of cool to hear like that song climax like when 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 the screaming starts and then like explosions happen and fireballs and I just think it's kind of a cool moment. Um having said that it's lame as shit. I mean, like it's just goofy, and 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 there's no there's no arguing that. Like you can't sit here and try to say that it's not goofy because it's a hundred percent goofy. Yeah, I, I would I would go past goofy and say that it's fucking dumb. 
Because I think well, the I think the motor I think the dirt bike stuff is goofy. I was on board until uh, someone made the "Is That Classical Music" line, and I'm like, "Oh <laughs> fuck this!" <laughs> like that, that was when I was like, "Okay, you ruined it." Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I I don't look. They just like you. They played the music and they just started blowing up the ships. Like that was it was too much. Like I. I I, I don't know. I I think that's the problem with the tone a little bit to me is that it there was it was a little too light in places like that and just a little too like yeah what the fuck why not? Um, well, and here's here's the thing that I that that I don't love about it, which is that Simon Pegg was very famously like, hey, even I hate that first trailer. Yeah. But I mean, this the 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 biggest complaint about that trailer was the use of sabotage. Right, because right. it seemed goofy, and then it actually happened in the movie. Like, why did he hate that trailer? Because I'm um, really, it's representative of the movie now that we've seen it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly like the climax of the film. You know, this it features sabotage, which is was it in Into Darkness? Because it was definitely in the first film. No, it was just in the first one. It was not in the Into Darkness. Yeah. Um, but it plays. It plays when we get the introduction to Young Kirk. Right. He's uh, in driving the first one. The, the, convertible to the desert anyway um yeah it, it look the the plot with idris elba i don't get i don't uh, another corrupt starfleet officer i'm tired of it i don't know why every movie has to be like that well and i didn't like the climax of them floating around in gravity like i just i was like who i don't care about this i i didn't mind I, I just it it the climax again like it didn't take place on Earth but it might as well have. Yeah, that was a big problem with uh, with that I had with Into Darkness. Like, why is this happening on Earth? Why is it not in space? This is Star Trek, and then this one happens on a space station that just looks like Earth. Well, and again, uh, I think that I think that you know, like when the inner when they when they find that new ship and they fly off in it and like it dips and comes back up. I mean, it's exactly like when the Enterprise comes out of the clouds and into darkness, which is a great scene, by the way. Um, yeah, I feel like that, it borrows I mean, it a lot just, from Into Darkness. It, I, it does, it does, and I hate the I hate it. I hated the thing where the the way that they kind of like get Idris Elba's character is like they come up out of the water and just like b- like block him. That felt like a fucking Roadrunner and coyote bit well that's that's just, the thing i'm know. i'm talking about with these sh- the move the ships in these movies they they never really treat them as like these are like battleships you know and they treat them like they're you know i guess maybe since this was justin lynn maybe it's a little fast and furious ish you know just it can do anything at any time you know like these ships shouldn't be you able know, to fly in an atmosphere <laughs> until you said that that sabotage scene feels more Fast and Fast and the Furious, Justin Lin inspired than it does anything else. Yeah. Honestly, I, I, I which think I didn't he, put that together. I think he's now. a great action filmmaker. I don't think storytelling is the strong suit, but those Fast and Furious movies did, have never been about. I, I, yeah, I did like how his his style was. I mean, he did keep a similar Abrams style. There's even some lens flares in there, and I like the Dutch angles that that uh, that uh, Abrams uses in the Star Trek movies. I, I think um, he does so a lot of prints are on. I think he does a lot of cool stuff with like, like points of view on the ship. Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, there's that scene where it kind of shoots out of the star, the the star base at the beginning, you know, where it looks like it might as well be a GoPro mounted on the enterprise as it shoots out. Um, yeah. Uh huh. 
So I, I think there's a lot of, of good stuff like that, but I just don't think that uh, just there's a lot of a lot of messy messy plot stuff in this. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and get out of the spoiler zone here. Now leaving the spoiler zone. So uh, ultimately, um, like I said, I did enjoy the movie. I just none of these none of these new Star Trek films have been really solid uh, storytelling wise to me. Um, no, I yeah, I I mean I I I can I can agree with that. And this it feels like a, a franchise that's on his last legs until of course the news breaks this week that it's uh, Star Trek Four is green lit um, with a with a storyline that's really gonna fuck up every time line <laughs> there is now, which, be... which is bringing Chris Hemsworth back as uh, Kirk's father. Yeah, um, I don't know I don't know how to feel about that at all. I, I felt like look, I gave this movie a lot of shit because it was marketed so poorly. Um, there's a, you know, if you read uh, box office mojo, they had kind of a breakdown of, of just the marketing differences with this film and into darkness, just the kind of delays in between, you know, trailer drops after, especially after the first trailer was not well received. Um, and then uh, up until kind of the last minute, they weren't screening this for press, even though it had gotten, it's gotten great reviews. I mean, Frankly, yeah, 84% still. Yeah. Um, so it, there was a lot of weird marketing stuff with this that, that didn't bode well for this film. Um, you know, they, they blew the whole Sulu thing, uh, you know, uh, with John Cho, uh, John Cho's version of Sulu being gay and then not having George Takei on board, uh, seems Which, like the a, way, could that have been a, like, a, like, a like, could that have moment hit have like hit any softer like? Oh, they they revealed like it could have been like gay? it could have been like his brother and his nephew or niece or whatever. Like it, it's just like. Well, there's a there's like, for a, all for all the hubbub that's made about it. It's really nothing. Well, there was all uh, John Cho spoke this weekend. There was a there was a kiss filmed, but it wasn't. It was cut. Of course, like either do that or don't or leave it out completely because it's it's like again you can't you know, recognize yourself for being bold about it and then cut out the fucking kiss scene. Like then it's, there's like, what's the point, you know, which uh, is not to say that I'm like, Hey, you know, show them ma- making out or I'm not into it, but I'm like, it's, you know, it's, it's more like you can't sit here and be like, Oh, we wanted to make a statement and then cut out parts of it. It's sort of like the ghostbusters, Kate McKinnon character right. being gay, but the studio says no to, overt references to it like it's you know i don't i don't like that just if you want to be progressive then be progressive you know yeah um it's it's that was actually uh his husband is played by uh co-writer doug chung doug jung excuse me um who's not an actor but he he played that part uh yeah i mean there's there's just a lot of stuff that that really really bombed marketing wise with this i mean I don't think anybody was excited about any of the the stuff that was released. And then uh, we won't spoil it here because uh, we had the spoiler zone. But apparently, the newest rash of of TV spots spoils the big twist with the villain. Does it really? Yes. See, I I avoided it because I heard to avoid it, but that's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, I don't I, I don't get it. I don't get how they fucked this up so badly marketing wise because it's a it's a solid film. I'll admit it's slick as shit. And that's the that's been the best thing about these Star Trek films is they are they're really great looking. They're really pretty. Um, yeah. They're way more dynamic than anything that ever came before at Star Trek wise. Um, yeah. 
the uh, I need you to go on a monologue. I'll be right back. <laughs> the uh, the fact that 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 it was you know essentially an action a space action movie dressed up in Star Trek clothes is not something that necessarily sits well with with classic Star Trek fans. But uh, I do think that this stuff has been enjoyable. I I just really really wish the storytelling had been stronger uh, because then these things would be unassailable. You know, because um, because there's some like the Wrath of Khan is probably the the best regarded of the original Star Trek films, and that's uh that's a, a a movie where the villains never are in the same or the the hero and the villain are never in the same place at the same time. It's a, essentially a submarine battle film. Um. And all the rest of these movies, these action movies, and I think all the, every other Star Trek movie uh, after um, the uh, maybe uh, Star Trek Four have ended with like a fist fight between Kirk and whoever the villain is, uh, which has been disappointing. Are you there yet? I don't have anything yeah. else to say. Oh, <laughs> I was running Wasn't, out. Of, isn't there a Star Trek gas. movie with a whale? That's Star Trek Four. Yeah, there's no real villain in that. That's a great movie. Um, it's uh, it's a weird comedy bottle movie. Like it's it's set. They have to time travel back to 1987 because that's when is they that shot the, the Search film. for Spock. No, that is uh, the Voyage Home. Search for Spock came before that. Okay. There's a little mini trilogy in the middle. Two, three, and four are all connected together. Um, they tell the same story uh, through those three. Um, but you know. The fact that these are are fun is their biggest their biggest draw. And I mean, I've I slagged on uh, Into Darkness for not making sense, and it, that, I think that's a fair claim. And I think this one, this movie, is actually probably makes sense better than than Into Darkness, and I think holds together probably a little bit better than the first one, uh, front to back. I just think that the shit is boring. Um, the the villain's motivation and plot. I I like the pairings that they threw together that we talked about earlier. Um, you know, seeing getting Carl Urban time to to shine his bones was great. Um, getting uh, just like he's so f- fucking funny in this movie. Like just like almost every line he has is just like it really really funny. Yeah, and then uh, um. You know, Chekhov and Kirk are great together. Um, like you said, Anton Yelkin actually gets something to do. Um, you know, Uhura. Uh, did you feel like with with Yelkin there was this thing, like the the hovering idea that he was dead type thing? You know, the kind of stuff that you got when you watched, you know, Fast and Furious. Not really, um, because he, because I knew it was all done. You know, um, I was yeah. able to enjoy the performance. I know that. Because I knew with Fast and Furious or whatever the last one was, Furious Seven, is that what it's called? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Anyway, um, that it was uh, like a digital stand-in a lot of times. So the fact that right. like Paul Walker was silent or in the shadows or whatever was was weighed pretty heavily on the fact you know reminded you pretty heavily that he was dead. You know, and he had the big There's... send-off at the end. Well, and I think that part of the problem, and, and I wonder if they're going to do this in the next one, was that God, the, the sappy music, anytime they mentioned Leonard Nimoy or Spock Prime or whatever, it was just like this really sad piano music. And it was like, okay. Yeah, I would prefer that just to, just to move on, frankly. you know. And I get, look, I get it. Look, I, I mean, Leonard Nimoy dies. You have to tribute him somehow. I get it. But like I said, it's just too... 
you could have dedicated. I mean, I, I felt like that was a, a plot point that didn't need to be in the movie at all because it had no bearing on anything. No, yeah. it didn't. It, I mean, it, it, it gives a little bit of a side plot for Spock that is not ultimately that interesting. Yeah. Really. I don't think it was developed really much at all. Um, you know, Yelkin was great. I, I'm frankly, I really don't know if they go for, forward with this series. I know they greenlit a fourth one, but that doesn't really mean anything right now. Um, you know, it did open number one in the, at the box office. Um, I, I just, the, the vibe I was getting from this film before release and the way they were treating it was kind of like, this was it. Um, you know, especially with attention being focused now on uh, Star Trek Discovery, the new uh, series announced that was announced at Comic-Con, finally the title and a clip. I, I, I don't mind another adventure. I wish it was, I hope that they don't feel like they need to be beholden to, to mention that Yelkin died. You know, I don't think that, that they would kill him off in the off screen, you know? And, well, they said they weren't going to recast him for sure. Right. I mean, I would just, I mean, it's, it's the military essentially. Like he could just be assigned somewhere else, you know? Um, anyway, uh, what's your grade for Star Trek Beyond? You know what? I give it a B minus. I think that it just barely is successful enough as a complete package. And honestly, had there been a little bit less uh, great Carl Urban stuff, I might have been on the C plus. But I think like literally he saves the movie for me because he's that great. I you know what? I was I was waffling between a B minus and a B, and I think I'm going to go with a B right now, just because I, the more I thought about it, the more I enjoyed it as a a whole. I, I think for me, the uh, the underrated MVP of this, and Carl Urban's great, but I think that that Chris Pine carries the movie as Kirk, and I think he's got that 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 kind of cocky, jokey William Shatner thing down. Um, you know better than better than i would have expected so um you know thinking about that stuff uh minus the problems that i had with it i, I still enjoyed it um, i thought it was fun so a b for me all right that's gonna do it for this week next week jason Bourne. you excited for jason Bourne? uh were you a fan of the Bourne films it's been a long yeah, time. oh yeah oh yeah i mean minus mm-hmm. the Bourne legacy which i think we all agree sucks I, I never saw that, but man, the I, the Born Ultimatum is a crazy good movie. Uh, wasn't uh, Justin Lin supposed to direct uh, the Born Legacy sequel? Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like that guy's attached to everything. Yeah, because I, I remember uh, they were supposed to be developing it also alongside this latest Matt Damon Born, uh, and I think it just kind of died and went away because no one. And liked so, the Born uh, Legacy. Uh, Paul Greengrass did this one, right? Yes. It's Paul Greengrass and Matt Damon. Um, I don't know who the screenwriter is. I think I think it's Tony Gilroy, isn't is it? Is it Tony Gilroy again? Because Tony Gilroy so. did he directed um, um, uh, the uh, Born Legacy. I thought. Uh, oh, I guess not. I guess it's written by Paul Greengrass and Christopher Rouse. I thought I thought I saw Gilroy's name attached to it, but maybe not. He may be a producer or something, but because uh, Tony Gilroy directed, um, I believe he directed. Uh, the Born Legacy. I'm going to look that up right now. But uh, this is um, uh, the movie. He wrote. He. I mean, he wrote. Tony Gilroy wrote the Born trilogy. Right. Uh, yeah, he did direct the Born Legacy, which was, I guess, his inheritance for working on the Born trilogy. Was he got to direct the one nobody liked that was taking place during 
<laughs> it was taking place during the Bourne Ultimatum. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, I didn't see it. Oh, you didn't so see it. Know. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like but, it's like being in a theater next to an awesome movie playing, and you're watching some piece of shit, and you can hear parts of the <laughs> awesome movie. You know, uh, they uh, word came out earlier this week that Matt Damon only has 25 lines of dialogue in yeah. Jason Bourne. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I think I heard two of them during a commercial spot today. Something about his father, which is yeah. I guess, the driver. So we have a couple other things. Um, we have we also have Nerve I, that I'm not I'm not going to be able to see that. Yeah, it's I'm, on. Yeah, me either. It's on the same night as uh, Batman: The Killing Joke. We'll have. Yeah, we'll have that, and then uh, I've seen Bad Moms, but uh, I I think they might like like knock on my door with handcuffs if i say anything about it because of the embargo yeah i i, missed, I didn't get I, that i didn't get that intensive of an, we didn't get that intensive an embargo i i missed i had to skip the screening because i couldn't make it down there but uh i got a pretty threatening uh uh email from the the studio reps that uh there was a heavy duty embargo on reviews uh i believe until uh july 28th um at like 10 a.m. or something, and that that literally said there will be consequences if you break the yeah. embargo. I would like you. I would. I would like to talk about it. Uh, you. So you you want me to go see Bad Moms? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying you I want make, you to see Bad Moms. You want me to go see Bad Moms on my own time? <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, I might be able to do that. Uh, you you haven't been able to tell me anything because you're worried that they're going to come come kick your door in and uh i think they're bugging my phone yeah i think they're listening right now over skype with us we might be in Ooh, trouble yeah. yeah i i it's like in uh, i can well, confirm that i have seen bad Mo- like i love those embargoes that are like you can say that you were there but don't react at all right uh what was the the movie with um where they were on skype that was all on skype Oh, unfriended yeah where the, that's so, on skype now just a a, a a blank avatar showed up and is listening to us talking. Man, nerve nerve looks so bad. You know, uh, Dave Franco was at our studio the other day in uh, up here in Austin. Um, they shoveled him out pretty quick. I really wanted to talk to him about uh, about uh, playing our our pal Greg Sestero um, in yeah. in the masterpiece. I texted Greg after after he left, and he's like, "Yeah, I think that I think that uh, they got tired. Of, he got tired of people asking him that during the." the uh, now you see me Two press junket so probably best that, that I, I didn't you know what about. that movie when that eventually comes out it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of um mainstream appeal it has um because the people who like are in the know are very excited about it um and i just i, I wonder how I, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how they market that movie yeah i i, I get the feeling that it's going to be um i i I get an I get the vibe that it's an art house release slash VOD thing. Just just See, my I gut think, feeling. I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. And I and they don't have a release date yet, I don't think. I, I asked I actually asked Greg uh if he if he went to the test screening of it because they had a test screening of it finally, and he said he was waiting until the it was the final product to see it. Oh you know what? When he texted me he said uh he said that he saw it uh um let's see. He said that uh, that he he saw the movie last week and it was fantastic. Oh, so he liked it? Yeah, he said it's hilarious and moving. And then Franco as Tommy is incredible. That's uh, from Greg Sestero's. Well, that's message. that's encouraging. I mean, like shit, I, and we'll have him on when the movie comes out. Yeah. Um, 
and I, I just I, it's going to be really interesting to talk about him to like because essentially it's his life story that he's just like going here you go like like giving it up to someone else um i mean it's obviously in great hands with those screenwriters and that's that's why i don't think it'll be a vod thing because those screenwriters are like you know i mean look they've made i mean they made paper towns which was garbage but you know <laughs> yeah um so so anyway uh we've got uh, next week we'll have the uh excuse me jason Bourne, uh at least the batman batman the killing joke and possibly bad moms if um if they don't come murder you cody for talking about having I know. actually seen it um and then i'll have to go on my own time to see bad moms it, look from the from the the title of it and like just kind of the indifference indifference to it i it wasn't something that was on my radar but now that you're saying that you want me to see it so we can talk about it is something that uh it makes me curious now so. man i'm looking i'm looking at the cast for the masterpiece holy shit <laughs> oh it's a it's a stacked cast I've, I, 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 this is crazy. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. You can call us at nine, two, zero film two, one, zero. That's nine, two, zero, three, four, five, six, two, one, zero. Find us on Twitter at cinesnob on Facebook, cinesnob critic. Uh, look for our live streams, uh, Facebook lives. We're going to be doing, uh, we'll have one tomorrow night. That's Monday, July 25th from our screening of bridesmaids, the champagne party. Um, Cody will be jumping out of a cake, I assume. I don't know what's happening. Well, I, I guess, uh, you've spoiled it now. <laughs> Damn it. I just guessed too. Uh, anything else before we go? Anything else you want to plug? Uh, no, I will probably announce our screening for August here pretty soon. So keep your ear to the ground. Yeah. Do that. Cause people do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. On that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viapanya. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.